90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. for Artspeak Radio on 90.1 FM, KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're happy to have you aboard and listening to us online at kkfi.org. We're happy uh, to be in your ears today. So we've got a great show, a very good lineup of guests. Dr. Madeline Rislow is here, Joelle Melling, Damron Russell, and we'll have Dennis Fallon on the phone. So stick around. We'll be right back. Here it is, the very first day of March, and we're happy to uh, have this great sunny day, beautiful day out, uh, and uh, yeah, happy that you're with us today. We have the National Museum of Toys and Miniatures here uh, staff with us, Dr. Madeline Rislow, who is the Senior Manager of Learning and Engagement at the National Museum of Toys and Miniatures. She is trained as an art historian and has taught the subject at the university level for 20 years. While she is a specialist in Italian Renaissance art, she has published and presented widely on contemporary art, virtual reality, popular culture, and of course, toys and fine scale miniatures. Welcome, Dr. Madeline Rislow. Thank you so much, Oop. Maria. Oop, there, there you go. Oh, thank you so much, Maria. And mm-hmm. I, until you just said it now, I had not processed it's already March. So, yeah, wow, yeah. how did that happen? <laughs> I love it, I love it. And sitting next to her is Joel Melling, who is the museum educator at the National Museum of Toys and Miniature. She holds a master's in the arts of teaching and a bachelor of fine arts in painting and drawing, both from Columbia College. She taught art for three years in public school prior to starting in museum education. Welcome, Joelle. Thank you, Maria. Great to be here. You bet. And you know, we just love the National Museum of Toys and Miniature Miniatures. It educates, inspires, and delights adults and children through the museum's collection and preservation of toys and miniatures. Now, it's located on the University of Missouri-Kansas City campus, and the museum exhibits the world's largest collection of fine-scale miniatures and one of the nation's largest collections of historic Toys on public display, and it's so much to, so much fun to visit uh, the museum because uh, there's something from for everyone, right? Oh, there absolutely is, and it is. It's a museum. So, I worked at TM as we uh, refer to it for about nine months, but I have been a fan of TM for the entire twenty years I have lived in this region. It is an amazing collection. 
and it is constantly growing. We have almost wow. we have over 93,000 objects in our collection right now. If you can wrap your head around that, that is an astounding number mm. to to care for, but for us as staff, it is just wonderful to get to work with those objects every day and then to see our visitors respond to them in such exciting and innovative and unexpected ways too. I think that's one of the best things about wandering through the galleries as a staff member every day is seeing our visitors um, discover something for the first time. Yeah, I mean, that's a real perk to the job because mm -hmm. what, what you do, you make people happy, you know, and, and I think for a lot of guests at the museum, um, you they, they probably connect to certain toys from their childhood or they knew someone who owned this or or what yeah oh absolutely and I think that it's one of the joys for visitors to find an object that they haven't even thought about in decades yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. not only do they get to discover it but then they get to share it with whoever they have brought with them and we often find guests will come find something really exciting and they might bring back um, a, a child or a friend who they think they want to tell a story about yeah. that object. And that's really what we're invested in at TM is it's not just collecting these objects and having them on display. It's about telling stories about mm -hmm. the human condition. I love that. I love that. You know, and for our listeners, uh, I want to share the address and website. TM is located at 5235 Oak Street, very easy to find, right across the street from the law school at UMKC, and, and very accessible. Uh, and the website is toyandminiaturemuseum.org. So you can find out more information about ticket pricing and, and hours and location through the website. Um, and I also want to say that uh, this is your 40th anniversary, right? Well, uh, the TM, the Toy and Miniature Museum, 40th anniversary, yeah? Yes, we are celebrating our 40th year. Uh, we opened in October, we opened October 20th of uh, 1982. And this past October, we actually had um, a congressional resolution presented to us wow. by uh, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver, which was really exciting. And we had a little celebration. And uh, we also received not only a regular um, recognition but also a miniature one because we are the toy and miniature museum i, I mean like how that. appropriate and how delightful right along with our mission statement right and so. did you celebrate with a tiny cake <laughs> um we did have, we did have tiny uh tiny cupcakes fun. yes <laughs> well you know there's so much to talk about let's start with the uh i program the k-12 spring break activities and summer programs is that your department joelle uh, yes, it is. Terrific. Um, so we're super excited to be offering different types of, of scavenger hunts for K-12 audiences, um, including lower level and upper level scavenger hunts. Um, but really, they're for all ages. And so if you love um, social media type scavenger hunts, we have that. Um, if you want to try your hand at sketching botanicals, that's an option as well. And we'll also have some fun springtime facts to discover in a crossword activity. I like that. I mean, so it's not you're not just viewing what what's on exhibition or on display, but you're also kind of uh, hands on. You're you're doing some activity along with your visit at the museum, right? Absolutely. We love to make it more interactive, and 
a lot of people might not expect to find something spring themed mm -hmm. or botanicals in the mm -hmm. toy collection, but we, we really like to highlight both collections in these activities. Did I understand that your summer programs at the Toy Miniature will be full of fun for adults, ch children, and the whole family, right? Mm -hmm. We're going to um, definitely cater to different groups' needs, and so we'll have some drop-in activities for families to do together, a couple um, drop-off activities for um, parents to um, maybe have a little break in the day, and also um, some school group activities for um, summer schools to explore the galleries and have an exciting and engaging field trip opportunity. I love that. Uh, so is there is there particular subjects of the field trip? I mean, do you focus maybe on a field trip uh, with dolls or houses or maybe some particular toy? We definitely have different objects that we like to highlight. Um, during the academic school year, most of our tours highlight social studies um, topics, but I think over the summer we can be a little bit more flexible, especially since summer schools, depending on the district or the school, may, may or may not um, be as academically rigorous in the sense of trying to attain certain standards. Can we talk about the collection? What what is I know this is a, a loaded question, but what are some of the things that we see? And and secondly, how do you gain some of these uh, items for the museum? So uh, we actively collect uh, through. We have a specific collection period. Actually, we're in the midst of it right now. It runs from November first through April, the end of April every year. And we encourage people to um, consider us as a, a place where they maybe want to home their, uh, their toys from their own childhood. And so we are actively collecting, again, those objects, but also those stories. We mm, want mm -hmm. things that um, aren't just something they've shoved in the closet that they never played with. We want a toy that is yeah. actually, that shows wear to it, which is surprising to people sometimes that we don't want the most pristine object. We want something that mm -hmm. shows that there was value to it, that somebody um, actually engaged with it on a regular basis. Uh, we also do um, have a lot of relationships with contemporary artists for our fine scale miniature collection, and we are uh -huh. always um, actively following them and, and looking for new things that uh, what might add to our collection in terms of subject matter, but also just in terms of the way an artist might work with their medium, which is so fun because there are so many different ways to make a miniature and there are so many techniques that are just astoundingly precise. Um, I recently learned a little bit more about how to make fine scale miniatures. I actually took a class um, in January uh, about making, and I spent several days making um, a uh, colonial pastry board. It was a class in colonial wow. Williamsburg, so mm -hmm. I know, mm -hmm. unexpected, right? But uh, making things like one twelfth scale almonds, how do you do that? I mean, it's technique-wise, it's just, it's amazing. And it's one thing to look at an object mm -hmm. and admire it, but it's another thing, and any artist will tell you this, it's an entirely different experience to actually make it with your own two hands. And everything that fine scale miniature artists do is by their own hands. They're not using any kind of technology. So it's just, it's astounding what the human body is really able to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I would encourage people to, to really uh, take a look, a second look at that, because as, as you mentioned, there's, I mean, it's all handmade mm -hmm. and there's 
nothing that exists for this particular piece um, until someone actually makes it. Right. And it's just incredible the the scale. Oh, and some of these pieces. And we primarily, what we primarily primarily collect is one twelfth scale. So that mm-hmm. means that um, uh, one inch on an object in our collection equals twelve inches in its actual real life um, representation. Mm-hmm. And I love, as an art historian, I just love how invested these artists are in studying whatever their inspiration piece is. So there's an incredible, it's not just the actual process of creation and putting the object Mm -hmm. together, like Mm -hmm. the actual construction, but there's so much that goes into the object, the process before they even pick up a tool. Um, You know, they're looking at, they're selecting the object, but then they're really studying it. And so many of the artists that I've talked to, they're thinking not just about, what the object looks like, but they're thinking about the historical context, how people would have experienced what they're making in that moment. Um, And they're really holding those ideas while they're creating the object. And so then when you look at the miniature representation of it, the powerful element, the aura of it is so much more than I think you would maybe expect it. So I would encourage people to just come out and experience that for themselves. Well, and I hope that you've you've really kind of ignited something in our listeners that were, are going to say, all right, I'm going out there today. <laughs> um, and you can find information about uh, the location and, again, uh, ticket prices and all that through the website, toyandminiaturemuseum.org. Uh, I want to go back to the 40th anniversary. Do you have anything that, any sort of events or or something that that's taking place to to sort of celebrate that 40th anniversary? So we did have a celebration in um, October 2022 um, with the presentation of that um, congressional resolution. But we are also looking at this 40th anniversary year as an opportunity to really put ourselves out there for a K-12 audience. We really want Mm. teachers to connect to our collection. And we have not, in the history of TM, had a concentrated uh, relationship. We've had relationships with teachers, but we Mm -hmm. haven't done it in a concentrated way in the way that we're trying to do it in our 40th year. Um, And we're looking at this as an opportunity to um, help people to re-see what TM, what the possibilities yeah, are yeah. at TM and the ways mm-hmm. in which it can really inspire people of all ages and how teachers can really use it to inspire their students. And I know a lot of, of teachers are struggling yeah. with how do we connect with our students yeah. again yeah. with yeah. everything that has happened. And art can do that. Art has the power to do that. And our collection right. has the power to do that. I love that. And even though the 40th anniversary was in 2022 i'm still sort of dragging along because you know you you want to celebrate this this endeavor because it's just been eye-opening and a wonderful uh gem here in Mm -hmm. in our community uh you know talking about the teachers are there certain um packets or or information online that that a teacher can uh download yeah absolutely um so we are launching some k-12 tours that specifically cater to social studies standards um, both for missouri and kansas Um, currently we have a lower level elementary social studies tour 
with an accompanying worksheet as well as um, U.S. history and world history with accompanying worksheets that the teachers can download offline um, or off our website. Mm -hmm. And um, we also, I lost my idea, maybe Madeline, you can jog my memory. I might, I might need just one moment. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, we're talking about with the teachers downloading uh, maybe some packets for their classroom, either prior or after a tour and visit at, at the museum. But I also want to uh, talk about some volunteer opportunities mm-hmm. because that's important to any museum, right? Oh, um, 100%. And we are so excited to, we have been so excited to welcome back uh, our volunteers um, who have been with us for some of them have been with us for decades it's just um, absolutely wonderful uh, to have their their support Uh, and actually as Joelle and I were uh, leaving the museum today we had two fantastic volunteers Mm -hmm. uh, working on some projects actually one of them was working on uh, the teacher kits right yeah so So, you just helped me remember (laughs) yeah so we'll circle back to that in just a second but the but the volunteers are are really the element that I think infuses uh, excitement in what we do. Oh, sure. And there's such, we have, uh, as a, a lot of um, you know arts organizations, we have a lot of need and we couldn't do it without our volunteers. And we are always looking for new volunteers. So if someone is mm-hmm. just excited about learning more about uh, TM and uh, wants to explore that, I would invite them to visit our website and, and, and and just fill out an information, a general informational um, form of interest and let us know that like they're that. considering it and we'll reach out. Also, I, I do want to give a phone number uh, for some, you know, some people don't like to, to do things online and they just want to talk to a person on, on the other end. 816-235-8000 is the number for the National Museum of Toys and Miniatures. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, probably you know, press one and that sort of thing, kind of um, navigate through that. But uh, that's available, too, for our listeners. Yeah. Um, yes, and about the, the teacher kits, um, we were very fortunate to receive a grant that will fund um, several um, manipulative kits that we'll send out to teachers in the metro area, specifically in um, perhaps under-resourced schools. And um, the kits are all inspired by our collection mm-hmm. and align with um, local standards. So. We'll have an optical toys kit, a shadow puppet theater kit, and a shoebox dollhouse kit that will be really oh, exciting for that. kids to interact with. I yeah, know. and I think that that... You know we, I want one. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but I think we've really recognized that uh, it's not always possible. We want everyone in our space. We sure. want people to visit as frequently as possible, but it's not always possible to come uh, and... Uh, visit not every class can come and visit TM every mm. single day yeah. so we are looking for ways absolutely to reach out to the the schools and bring TM to them uh, and, ha- and and looking for creative ways to do that and work with teachers to um, make those connections for them and help them inspire even without yeah. a physical visit to TM. I think that's great I think that's really smart because you know I, I know for um, knowing a lot of teachers and having taught myself that sometimes uh, the funds are dried up or you know they don't have accessible bus service or, or for whatever reason mm-hmm. so that's really smart to do that sort of outreach beyond your walls into the schools which you know and then you sort of uh, cultivate a new culture of of people who are interested in in your museum as well 
Right. And I think that we've all, um, we've all kind of recognized too, that there are lots of ways to interact with uh, arts and culture and that uh, again we want everyone to come through the doors of TM mm-hmm. but there are really worthwhile ways to engage mm-hmm. um, in a lot of ways and I think it's helpful for students to experience uh, different opportunities in different ways like people learn in all kinds oh, of ways absolutely. and so yeah. providing yeah. them with yeah. um, different uh, vantage points to explore the collection is, I think, an exciting, uh, I hope will be an exciting thing for teachers. You know, and if you would share with us the hours and, and if you could, that the days that you're open? Right, absolutely. We are open um, Wednesday through Monday, uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. So we're just closed on Tuesdays. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, when the last time I was there, um, I just... I really enjoyed seeing the toys that that I grew mm-hmm. up with, um, you know, the Rock'em Sock'em robots mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And I know that that again, you're, the important element of this uh, visit and and what you like are the stories from from your guests. Do you have a, a book or some sort of collection of that people can write and sort of respond to the the museum what they've seen in the museum? We have had those elements um, with different exhibitions Mm -hmm. in the past. We do rotate um, opportunities through for that. We also always welcome um, our visitors to leave comments with our desk um, and to reach out to all of us. Uh, Our contact information is all up on our website. And we want the feedback. We want to learn stories. And we do find that uh, we develop these fantastic relationships with people that uh, want to share these stories with us and it helps us then better tell stories mm-hmm. about those objects mm-hmm. so it's this constant cycle of sharing and collecting and I just I, I just always go back myself to this idea of uh, the importance of collecting these personal humanizing stories to these objects I mean they're they're just I, I don't know they're they're not as meaningful if they don't have mm-hmm. that personal mm-hmm. story with them and we do strive to share those stories as much as possible um, in the gallery spaces and again encourage people to share them with mm-hmm. each other when they're mm-hmm. physically there in that space um, there are a couple of areas that we as staff members point to in the galleries there's actually an iconic toys hallway that is mm-hmm. just I it's one of our favorite places. I, I think every staff member would say it's one of their favorite places to just kind of hang out in the galleries because it traces the history of um, toys by decades. Um, and so there's just a little segment on each decade. And what happens because it's just it's a long it's a long hallway, and there are cases on both sides. And what happens is a family might enter into that hallway, and everyone connects to something wow. different. And then all of a sudden you have these back and forth conversations that are just incredible. They're things that they're, and they're telling each other stories from the past, from the present. They're thinking about things in the future. And it's just this opportunity to share intergenerationally. I love it. If you just tuned in to Art Speak Radio, this is Maria Vasquez Boyd. I'm talking to Dr. Madeline Rislow and Joel Melling from the National Museum of Toys and Miniatures located at 5235 Oak Street and uh, toyminiaturemuseum.org is the website. 
and it's just a really wonderful collection of of toys um, collected over the years. Uh, the, their collection and preservation of toys and miniatures is is fantastic. The miniatures are so cool. I mean, it's like I it's just hard for me to fathom that someone could actually make this object that small. Mm -hmm. uh, with human eyes, <laughs> human eyes, it, it's crazy. Uh, we also talked about the summer programs at TM, which will be full of fun for adults, children, and the whole family. So for more information, the website is where you want to go. Also, um, the summer school K-12 field trips with guided tours and crafts uh, are happening. A couple of drop-in days for parents and children to create together and a drop-off day for children to take a deep dive to toy and miniature making, which is a lot of fun. So would you suggest then people sign up prior to some of these workshops? Is that a requirement? Um, typically, yes, we do. Okay. We do like to reserve spots. Um, and in the coming weeks, we will have that information posted on our website. Terrific. Yeah. And I would encourage everyone to follow us on social media as those dates there become available. Yeah. We yeah. always post on there. And so that's a great way to stay involved and informed on exactly what's happening at TM. So social media, Facebook? Facebook and, and Instagram are mm -hmm. the platforms that we are uh, most frequently posting on. Now, before we go, I want to ask each of you your favorite object at the museum. I knew this question was coming, and yeah. it's so hard because it's like picking your favorite child. Well, uh, I, I have one favorite child. She's her only daughter, so that's it. Well, okay, <laughs> fair. I but, say. But I mean, there, is there something that, that you gravitate, that you go to, you specifically seek out because you know it's going to bring a smile to, to your face? I am a child of the 1980s, and so in terms of the toy collection, I absolutely uh, gravitate towards anything connected to the 80s. Uh, I really loved uh, Care Bears as a child, so I think I would pick that because it also, in terms of bringing a smile to your face, yeah, yeah. lovable, cuddly, yeah. you know, it's they're teddy bears. Care Bear. <laughs> yeah. Which Care Bear was it that, that uh, you had? As a, I as had a Tender Heart. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> because we all know there's all right. Yes, absolutely. Numerous yes. Care Bears. And how about you, Joelle? Um, I would say my favorite toy in the collection would be um, probably one of our Beanie Babies. I was a child of the 90s, and so Beanie Babies were uh, definitely the thing. That's so funny. And, and our other guest, Amron, and I are just kind of laughing like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, because when you said Rock'em Sock'em, that's, <laughs> that's what I would yeah, seek out. Yeah, slip and slide, all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, very good. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there any parting words or anything that we should know that we haven't talked about before we close out this segment? I would just uh, welcome anyone to come um, revisit TM, especially if you haven't been in a while. Um, we are constantly putting up new and exciting um uh, works and it's always fun I think to see something in a in a new way and so I would encourage people to either visit for the first time or uh, it's it's time to do a revisit I think <laughs> terrific yeah and Joelle um, and if you're seeking a career in museums and the oh, arts um, please keep posted with our website we'll have an internship opportunity posted um, later in the upcoming months. Oh, great. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Madeline Rislow and Joelle Melling. Thank you so much for joining us and, and come back soon, yes? Oh, absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. You thank bet. you. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be right back with Artspeak Radio after this. 
The Midwest Trust Center at Johnson County Community College has been a venue for the performing arts and arts education since 1990, welcoming audiences to performances that include blues, rock, jazz, classical, world music, comedy, and children's programming. The Midwest Trust Center, in support of KKFI, has a full list of events and accepts donations at jccc.edu slash Midwest Trust Center. Catch the local showcase every Thursday night on KKFI, where we highlight local musicians, poets, artists, and events from the Kansas City and surrounding areas. Curated and brought to you by a different KKFI host from week to week. That's the local showcase every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Right here on 90.1 FM KKFI. Hi, I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two, two takes at a movie currently playing in theaters or streaming. Your Place or Mine is a Netflix rom-com starring Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher. They play Deb and Peter, two friends for over 20 years. He lives in New York and she lives in L.A. She's outgoing, friendly, and Peter is not very friendly at all with other people. They decide to temporarily swap places. She takes a course in New York, stays in his place. He looks after her son out in L.A. Throughout the film, you begin to see what's really going on in this friendship. You know, Susan, attractive, likable stars just can't save this creaky, warmed-over rom-com. The question is, will these two ever realize they belong together? But really, do you have to ask? Now, Reese Witherspoon is an Oscar-winning actress and also one of Hollywood's most successful producers. Ashton Kutcher has proven more than capable of handling this kind of lightweight material and has done so many times. But it makes you wonder, did they actually read the script before committing to this project? I found the interactions between Debbie and Peter's ex-girlfriend, Mika, to be the most entertaining in this story. Lovers of featherweight rom-coms may actually appreciate the familiarity of this material, but it's so riddled with cliches, and the movie wastes a talented supporting cast that includes Steve Zahn and Tig Notaro. The ending of the film is predictable. One drawback, Witherspoon and Kutcher have no chemistry with each other. It's surprising that this movie was written and directed by Aline Brosh McKenna, who also wrote the screenplay for The Devil Wears Prada. With Your Place or Mine, a good cast got saddled with the script of a second-rate Lifetime movie. I'm Russ Simmons. And I'm Susan Sanders. And this is Take Two. Maria Vasquez here on Art Speak Radio on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. Thank you so much for joining us this 1st of March. Happy to have you aboard. And we also have on, um, on the phone Dennis Fallon, who is the Kansas City Film Fest International Board member. He's going to talk about this festival that's coming up Sunday, March 26th uh, through March 29th at the AMC Ward Parkway 14 at 8600 Ward Parkway. Hello, Dennis. Are you there? I am. How are you? Oh, great. I'm fine. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. Uh, so this is the 27th year of the Kansas City Film Fest International, right? I know. We can't believe it's actually the wow, 27th that's year. It's crazy. And we it's were talking about that earlier today. How, wow. Like 27 years. Wow. 
and it's brought audiences, films, and filmmakers together to celebrate the power of storytelling through the cinematic arts. As Kansas City's flagship film festival, KC Film Fest International is the largest and longest-held competition and curated film festival in Kansas City and to host filmmakers, judges, and artists from around the country and the world. Now, each year, the festival builds on its tradition, tradition of bringing inspiring thought-provoking and entertaining films to Kansas City audiences and offers opportunities for artists and filmmakers to network and to develop their craft and art. KCFFI encourages audiences and filmmakers to join them in celebrating films and those who make them. So this year, the spotlight's going to be shown on independent film filmmakers. Is that right, Dennis? Yeah, I mean, we do we do all of the above. Like I said, we've been around for 27 years. Mm. We brought in, you know, major film stars, major movies, uh, you know, from all over the world. And the great thing about what we do and what Film Festival is about is the fact that it's so different than going to see a normal movie. Because here, in, in almost every case, you're going to see a movie that hasn't been to the theater yet or is getting ready to go to the theater or might not ever make the theater or might end up on Netflix a year from now. But... You're going to see these movies a lot of times a long time in advance. But what's even more interesting is you might be sitting next to the director, the producer, or you know one of the actors in the films because we have a 95% uh, attendance rate on someone with the film. And then afterwards, you get you know Q and A's where the audience is going to ask questions back and forth and you know find out what these films, how they started, all the craziness that goes on making a movie. So. It's, uh, it's in a very exciting way to, to experience that. I love it. And from uh, the from Vic, for, uh, Veronica Elliott Longcar, the executive director of Kansas City Film Fest, she says um, that they are thrilled to show the new documentary short Parker about three generations of a Kansas City family. And that's just one of the many films that, that will be uh, screened at this festival uh, yeah, international yeah we festival. have we have yeah. we have lots of we have over 100 films wow. that, that are showing this year from all over the world and like i said you're going to have directors producers writers actors that are coming in from all over the world uh that will be on hand you know during these screenings and like i say q a afterwards but we have uh, we have great films you know documentaries mm-hmm. narratives short films Sometimes uh, we'll have these short film docs that, you know, you'll go in for an hour, hour and a half, and you'll see five or six short films, you know, in a row that are amazing. And then you can sit in, you know, a two-hour uh, narrative or documentary. I mean, we're showing a documentary this year that, that got high praise by our screeners. We have, we have several people that screen the movies and several people that make the decision on how these films are, you know, placed in this film festival. And film called Stella. It's a documentary. And uh, it was so inspired. Uh, it so inspired the screenings, the screeners. And it was such a good movie and so inspiring. A lot of these people wanted to go in their kitchen and make a pizza. Because what it's about, it's about a metro, uh, Neapolitan chef who's striving to get a Michelin star for his pizzeria, which has never been, there's never been a pizzeria awarded ever a Michelin star. So it's all the incredible things that happen along the way, this person, uh, you know, to try to get this star. And the director has been in uh, non-scripted television for many years. He does a lot of work for Viacom, History Channel, Bravo, and uh, a lot of other things. So we have, I mean, this isn't 
this film festival, yeah, we have a lot of people that, you know, pull together films and then, you know, independently, but we also have some serious filmmakers. Uh, I mean, for example, there's a, there's a movie called The Unseen, which is actually directed by J.F. Hampton, who's produced seven feature films, and most of those, uh, you know, he did one Jayhawkers with Kevin Wilmot, who's, who will mm-hmm. be at the festival, both of those guys. Uh, Kevin, of course, is a local guy who, who's a writer, an Academy Award-winning writer. Beautiful. And, yeah. you know, this particular film has a lot of Kansas City actors in it. It's called The Unseen. It's about a witch in the 1850s that gets transported in today to her descendant in modern-day Kansas City, ends up in their body, and uh, other sole purpose is to try to get her body back and get her back to... Uh, the 1850s, but I'm all hooked. kinds of craziness ensue along the way. <laughs> I'm and, uh, Fun stuff. Yeah. KCFilmFest.org is the website. Also, more information, uh, well, I believe you're on Facebook too, KC Film Fest, and, and other social media. Again, this uh, Kansas City Film Fest International is taking place Sunday, March 26th through Wednesday, March 29th at the AMC Board Parkway 14 at 8600 Ward Parkway, Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, so for more information and, and ticketing and all, all those details that you need, kcfilmfest.org is the website. Very good. Dennis Fallon, thank you so much for joining us today, and congratulations on 27 years. Uh, what, a, what a treat for us all, right? Yeah, it, it is, and I appreciate you so much for letting us come on. And, and I wanted to say one more thing, sure, if you give me a second. Sure. I'm really blown away. We have thousands of people show up at this film festival every year. And I'm still amazed that in our in our city that there's still so many people that don't know about this film festival and how amazing the, that what we do over a four- or five-day period. So I really appreciate all your support. Um, Absolutely. And hope everybody can come out and, uh, and experience this great festival that we put on. And like I said, we if it wasn't a good festival, we wouldn't be going 27 years. Yeah, and and we're so grateful for this this wonderful opportunity to see some great local independent films and and universal films right here at uh, AMC Ward Parkway. Thank you so much, Dennis, for joining us. We appreciate it. Come back and see us live in person, will you? I'd love to. Thank you so much. <laughs> you bet. Thanks again. Bye. Bye bye. And we're going to be right back with Art Speak Radio after this. KKFI is the Kansas City area's independent, non-commercial community radio station. We seek to stimulate, educate, and entertain our audience to reflect the diversity of the local and world community and to provide a channel for individuals and groups, issues and music that have been overlooked, suppressed, or underrepresented by other media. And that is the KKFI mission statement. Thank you for listening. Join us Wednesday evenings from 7 to 9 p.m. for Hallyu Wednesdays as we bring you the very best K-pop music from across the ocean. New comebacks, classic favorites, and everything in between will be featured each and every week. We hope you will join us to celebrate the love for Korean music and culture. Hey, we're back. Art Speak Radio with Maria Vasquez Boyd on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. And I'm... I'm I'm going to ask you to listen really closely because we've got Dameron Armstrong on 
in live in the studio with us. Listen closely for his smile because he's just got one of those wonderful smiles <laughs> that you're going to be able to hear on air. So thank you for joining joining us today, my friend. Thank you for having me over, Maria. You bet. Now, Dameron is a, a producer, director, actor, <clears throat> who spent his formative years right here in Kansas City. Now, he has worked on most of the stages uh, that Kansas City has to offer. He's been a familiar fixture at Unicorn Theater, the Coterie Theater, Theater for Young America, the American Heartland Theater, the Living Room Theater, Chestnut Fine Arts Center, New Theater Restaurant, and Kansas City Actors Theater. Now, after graduating graduating from Ruskin High School, he sought to further his education in New York where he received the best education in life and the practical application of that knowledge is working on the professional stage. He has performed nationally in A Raisin in the Sun in uh, with the Arizona Theater Company, the Full Monty Show Palace, Florida, Children of Eden, Paper Mill Playhouse, New Jersey, and Dream Girls, The Palace, New Hampshire, just to name a few. Now, as a director, his credits also range from local to, to international, and we're just so happy to have you here embarking on this new adventure and your career as artistic executive artistic director of the Black Repertory Theater, and we're happy to have you live in the studio. Thank you so much. This See? is so exciting. Oh, my I gosh. I was, like, listening to uh, everyone else speak, and it's like, this is Kansas City. We have all <laughs> right? of this amazing art happening here from museums, miniatures to independent films and theater. And theater, <laughs> yeah. Lots and lots of theater. Oh my gosh. And you know, with with that, uh, you're, we're here, you're here to talk about the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City and the production of A Raisin in the Sun, right? Yes. This what is a co-production. Okay, co-production. And you uh, read that on my resume that I've done the show mm -hmm. uh, as a performer mm -hmm. several times. So it's uh, very exciting uh, to revisit uh, this wow. manuscript mm -hmm. uh, as a director. Well, I love it. Now... The title comes from a poem by Langston Hughes, and the story tells of a black family's experiences in South Chicago as they attempt to improve their financial circumstances with an insurance payout following the father's death and deal with housing discrimination, racism, and assimilation. So again, this is a co-production with the J at the White Theater. Yes, that's the Lewis and Shirley White yeah. Theater. Uh, on the campus of the Jewish Community Center out there at 115th. Now, prior to your role from an er earlier performance as, as a young actor, did you grow up reading the story or seeing the movie? Uh, and, both, and, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sidney Poitier, Ruby oh, Dee, uh, some it's of the so best. Powerful. Yeah, some of the best performances yeah. on celluloid. Um, so, and it also was uh, required reading when I was in school. So, um, it's always great to revisit a classic. Absolutely. So we know that this uh, this season is this is the third show of your seventh season, right? Yes, it is. Yes, Terrific. it is. We opened uh, the seventh season with After Midnight, which was uh, a Cotton Club musical. So that was mm. a lot of fun. So when you came to the theater, it was like you were turning back time and going for an oh. evening at the Cotton Club. We follow that with Angry Rockers, Shamelessly Gorgeous, which is a Pearl Clegg, who uh, is an author that is very familiar uh, to most Kansas City audiences, especially if you go to the Unicorn, because mm -hmm. Cynthia mm -hmm. produces a lot yeah. of her work. Uh, and here we are, 
with our collaboration with the White Theater, yes, the Black Repertory Theater goes to the White Theater I for a production of A Raisin in the Sun. And we're super excited uh, about this collaboration. Uh, this is the second uh, time we've worked with them, and uh, each time just gets better and better. Super, super talented team out there from the design team, light, mm. sound, costumes. It's really quite an amazing feat to put something like this together. That's amazing. Now, I know that I'm going to share with you the show dates are March 11th through the 26th. The show times are at 7.30 p.m., but there is Sunday matinees available at 2 p.m. And I do want to uh, read this note that that, uh, you shared with me. Dear teachers, there is a student matinee option. And for questions, uh, contact the White Theater at the J box office at 913-327-8054 or the box office at thejkc.org because I think it's really important. Those matinees, you know, um, not only is the story um, of importance, but I think, you know, bringing students to the theater, giving them that that theater experience is is just a wonderful gift. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Educational uh, components are how we started the Black yeah. Repertory Theater of Kansas City. Uh, so it is very, uh, it's imperative for us to be able to give that opportunity of outreach to some students who this might be the first time they've seen uh, live theater. So we're, we're excited about that. And uh, do reach out to the box office. There are funding opportunities. Oh, good, um, good, yeah. So, even even if you think we can't do it because we can't afford it at this moment, do reach out to us. I love it. The Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City is a not-for-profit organization designed to impact the Kansas City community. Now, this production company utilizes theater productions and educational programming to enhance the contributions made by more minorities in our neighborhoods and communities and beyond. Now, each production has been tasked to give life to the neglected stories and uh, the virtually untold, un- virtually untold in American theaters, um, in BRTKC, the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City, tells us tales of the unsung. Recognizes that only through shared experiences and true depictions can we come together as one strong community. You know, we were talking in the green room uh, a bit. Uh, there's also an educational component programming with. The Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City. Absolutely. We have a couple of those. As a matter of fact, we started off with an educational component before we produced our first main stage Mm. show. Mm -hmm. Uh, That component is RISE, so Repertory in School Empowerment Program. And we engage students, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th graders, uh, through playwriting. And uh, those students... um, come up with their own ideas, we shape it for them, and by the second semester, they have a poetry or a full play that they have written, and then the students select which of those then will be uh, on the spotlight mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for uh, the Fringe Festival. So that's, uh, we have a couple of more classes with them before that those selections are made, and then we gear up for Casey Fringe. Wow, I love it. 
You know, and, and we talked again earlier, uh, we talked about a couple of the schools that you work with, Ruskin High School and my high school, Hickman Mills, uh, which is the Hickman Mills Freshman Center, uh, but also Center, Center Scr- High School yeah. and Grandview High School. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, what a terrific opportunity for our youth because, you know, there's so much expression, there's so much content that they can share with us through, you know, theater. Absolutely, right. and certainly through their writing, Absolutely. and and we and I tell them, I'm not trying to make you an actor or even yeah. uh, uh, anything really just associated with only theater, because this allows you an opportunity to learn how to articulate what it is that you want to be. So if Mm. you want to be a doctor, Mm. you want to be a lawyer, you have to be able to communicate that. And it's great with conflict resolution because the students have to have some sort of conflict in order to get over to Mm. have a really great story. Mm. And a lot of them uh, come to the table with some amazing stories that I'm just like, I was I thinking about that when I was in the ninth grade? I don't think so. Yeah, I love that. You know, a- along with this theater uh, portion, the writing and all that, do they also experience other aspects of the theater, like lighting and stage direction and set design and that? When we get to this point is right. when they then start directing their own pieces or uh, deciding what the design would be okay. if it was going to be a fully produced show. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important yeah. too. But and that's our second phase. We're really hoping uh, to get more artists, educators involved mm-hmm. uh, in the future so that we can start pairing these students, uh, not just with design team members, but also interning in our offices to mm-hmm. know how contracts work and all the work that we have to do before it gets to a show I always say that the show is the cherry on top because before that there's a whole lot there's a year's worth of work that happens in the office before you even get to casting yeah I love it I love that the Black Repertoria Theater Kansas City is inspiring students and youths by helping them to see all the choices and opportunities found within theater and beyond. Uh, what a great opportunity. Again, if you just tuned into Art Speak Radio, I'm Maria Vasquez Boyd on 90.1 FM KKFI Kansas City Community Radio. I'm talking to Dameron Armstrong uh, about the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City. We're talking about not only the program and the RISE program that is an educational programming uh, with Ruskin High School and Hickman Mills Freshman Center, but we're also talking about the most current production that will open March 11th through the 26th, A Raisin in the Sun. Wow. Yes, a week from Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> just saying yeah. that out loud just made me go, oh, <laughs> we go into tech. Am I ready? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How exciting. And again, these will uh, be performed at the J at the White Theater. 5801 West 115th Street, Overland Park, Kansas. And for more information, uh, contact the Black Theater. Uh, You can contact us at Mm brtkc.org or uh, go directly to thejkc.org. Their box office is handling all of the tickets, so I suggest you go there. But if you go to brtkc.org, just click the link, and it'll take you directly to their box office link. uh, Yeah, terrific. 
Uh, this is the th third show of the seventh season, and also through the Black Repertory Theater of Kansas City, you can sort of see, um, read a little bit about their mission and their history and, and you know, the strength of this organization because it, it's really been a wonderful uh, organization in our community. I so appreciate important. that. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've been at this now for uh, eight years. This is yeah. our seventh year of producing shows. Uh, and we're super excited uh, that the last show of the season, drum roll please, uh, <laughs> will be a world premiere written by Nedra Dixon and Pam Watson. So I hope Ooh. that we'll be able to come back and discuss that My, absolutely, uh, in, the, yeah. in the coming weeks. It's quite an amazing feat to be a part of something that we workshopped oh last year uh, and did a performance at the Blue Room, and people just ate it up. And so I'm super excited wow. to put this on its feet later this Ooh. year. Well, and, and it's gotten traction, so maybe it begins this world tour, and then you're on Broadway, and then let's see, and who would who would play you <laughs> in the movie well, version? I, well, I wouldn't be in it because uh, it's oh, uh, two African-American women who have written a show about eight African-American women. It is so How cool amazing. Is I'm yeah. just like yeah. on the edge of my seat during uh, the workshop of it. And, yes, I mean, it's really a feather in the cap of Kansas City because once it is, as you said, as once it is uh, published, it will mm. forever say yeah. workshop, world premiere yeah. in Kansas City, Missouri. Wow, I love that. And and if you could just share, we only have a few more minutes, but I just want to, if you could share with our listeners what you shared with me about how you got your start because I, I think, you know, art has so many inspires so many people at different stages in their life. And if you would share with us your in, where your interest in theater and performing and arts came from. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I grew up in a house full of women, uh, whether in our house and on our block. Uh, <laughs> my sister, Darylin Swift, uh, <laughs> was a debutante, and she did as her talent a dramatic reading of uh, monologue entitled Scratch, and it was about this uh, young man who uh, lost his dog. And from that moment on, I knew you that I was going to be an actor. And you it's <laughs> and it's been the job for me for some uh, twenty years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what you only graduated from from Nebraska in two thousand seven? What are you talking about? <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, I I, I think that that. One of the the perks of the arts is again just showing others there's room for you here. There's a place for you in theater. There's a place for you in, on stage or uh, you know reading aloud your poems and that sort of thing. I, and I that's think, really why yeah. I lived in New York for 20 years mm -hmm. and came back eight years ago mm -hmm. uh, because there wasn't at that time a platform for Black authors. Uh, uh, African-American driven stories mm, and yeah. uh, Kansas Cityans love enrichment festivals. We love to go right? and sample yeah. at the Irish Fest, uh, yeah. at the Greek Fest, all of the, because it's an experience that is unlike ours. And so we right. invite everybody in uh, to see shows at the Black Repertory Theater because it enlightens and inspires everyone. Oh, it enriches our lives. Yes, 
I, I totally agree. Again, A Raisin in the Sun, March 11th through the 26th, showtime 7.30 p.m. with Sunday matinees at 2 p.m. because, you know, those are fun to go to, too, to attend at the J. Uh, the J at the White Theater at 5801 West 115th Street, Overland Park, Kansas. Dameron, do you have any final words or something that you want to mention to our listeners that come, we haven't talked Come about? and enjoy the show. Yeah. It's uh, really a show about yeah. uh, generational communication and how yeah, right. it takes us a moment to understand because you know what you know. <laughs> and sometimes new thinking comes along and you have to embrace that. And so come and learn with us. I love that. I love that. And listeners agree that you do smile on the radio. So thank you so much for your, <laughs> your presence here. We enjoy Absolutely. having you. I will definitely be back. Oh, terrific. Hey, you know, and we'll be back next week. Uh, I want to say thanks to Madeline, Dr. Madeline Rislow, Joel Melling, Damon, Damon uh, Armstrong, uh, Dennis Fallon. Next week, March 8th, we'll have Jane Booth and Adrian uh, W. Horde. And uh, I want to invite you to stay tuned next for Jeff Harshbarger. He's got the best in jazz. I swear it, he does. One to three, three to six. What's that? I love Jeff. Right? Oh, he's great. I love him. He's he's like my body double. When Whenever I go out, people mistake me for him constantly. But, <laughs> but he's, he's here from 1 to 3, 3 to 6, Olgie's Hangout, 6 to 7, Ebony's Bones. So don't go anywhere. Stick around. And honey, I want to say I'm coming home. Thanks for listening. <laughs>